Well, we are in week two of a series we've titled Good God, Good God. And, and the key verse for this series is Psalm chapter 34 and verse 8. And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That first part of that verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I can remember the very first time Tiffany and I, we went to a nice restaurant. I mean, it was it was super nice, you know, it was one of those kinds that you go to on your anniversary, just a super nice restaurant. And we were looking at the menu and I'm getting ready to place my, my order. And I had to know, I see there, the steak there, it says it's uh, $42. What? It's not clear. What else comes with it? Mashed potatoes? I'm not, it's, I don't, I'm not quite understanding. And they said, it's a la carte. I said, a la who? I said, a la carte. Yeah, you, you, everything is separate. And the sides are family style. I was like, okay, $42. And there's $11 for some mashed potatoes, $11 for some green beans. I don't know if we can afford this, Tiffany, but we're sitting down. Happy anniversary. We're going to go ahead and order. And, and they said the, it, was, it was family style. And, and they brought out my steak and they brought out those mashed potatoes. I thought, well, what family are y'all feeding? Y'all not part of my family because Tiffany got to get her own size. Who knows what I'm talking about? Like, this, this is not family style. This is for one person. And I can remember being so intimidated thinking, I don't understand this. And I don't know that we can afford to order this off this menu. And so many people, when it comes to the blessings of God and the goodness of God, God has a menu full of his blessings for your life. And so many people just stare at the menu, stare at the Bible, stare at the goodness of God, but never really step in and taste and see that the Lord is good. And I hope that throughout this series that you don't just look at God's menu of goodness, my hope and my prayer is that you begin to step in and that you begin to taste and to see the goodness of God in your life. And last week when we kicked off the series, we, we talked about why people don't taste and see the goodness of God. And I, I taught last week from James chapter 1 verse 16 and 17. It says, don't be deceived my dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And we learned last week in James chapter 1 that people become deceived into believing that God is not good because they have a wrong perspective on their trials, on their trouble, on their trauma, on their temptations. And you have to go back and watch this message if you missed it. It's so foundational. Hop on our YouTube channel and be sure to watch that message. And today what I want us to look at is a second reason. People don't taste and see the goodness of God. God has so much goodness for your life. And a lot of people don't taste and 
see it. And here's why. They don't step out in faith. They don't step out in faith. Did you realize that many of God's good blessings are only experienced by faith? The goodness of salvation is you have to step out in faith to experience the goodness of salvation. The goodness of healing is experienced by faith. The goodness of the peace of God is experienced by faith. The goodness of the joy of the Lord is experienced by faith. The goodness of God's provision in our lives is experienced by faith. You say, Pastor, you mean I have to do my part? If I'm going to experience all of God's goodness in my life, and the answer is yes, you have to taste and see. God won't make you step out in faith and taste and see all of his goodness. God has so many gifts he wants to give to you. He wants to pour into your life, but you have to taste and see. The stepping out in faith is your part. James talks about this eight verses later in James chapter one, that same chapter, verse 25. He says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then notice that then God will bless you for doing it. James says, you got to do your part. If you're going to experience these good and perfect gifts that come from above, if you're going to experience the blessings of God, the goodness of God, you got to do what the word of God says. The psalmist says the same thing in Psalm chapter 84, verse 11. He says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. You have to walk blamelessly before the Lord. That's your part. In Psalm 84, that same chapter, that next verse, he says, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And friends, trusting God isn't always easy. It's much easier to trust God when things are going good. But to taste and see the goodness of God, you really have to learn to trust God during difficult times. You got to learn to trust God during challenging times. You got to learn to trust God even during horrific times. The psalmist said in Psalm 62, verse 8, trust in him at all times. Come on, every location, shout all times. Yeah, we got to trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. One of the areas that people have a hard time trusting God in, especially during challenging times, is in the area of their resources, in the area of their finances. And here recently, this has been one of the greatest struggles that we hear about in our church. We hear so many people saying, I need God's provision. I need God's help. I I need God's blessing. I need to experience the goodness of God in this area of my life. And it's so prevalent now with inflation, the cost of food, the cost of gas, interest rates are climbing aggressively. And it's not easy, let's be honest, to trust God at all times to put God first, to honor God during challenging 
times. And here's my prayer. My prayer is that people's church would be a church that would trust God and honor God at all times. The writer of Proverbs says this in chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. He says, honor the Lord. Such a, a unique word. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, talking about the goodness of God, and your vats will brim over with new wine. He says, honor the Lord, but it's not easy to honor the Lord with our wealth, with our resources, with our, with our finances, with inflation skyrocketing. When you're struggling to pay your bills, when you're trying to figure out how you're going to keep your lights on, how can, how can I honor God, Pastor, when, when you want to buy the new home or, or the new car and the prices or the interest rates just keep rising, when your 401k is declining, when your savings account seems to be shrinking, it can be hard to honor the Lord with good financial planning. It can be hard to honor the Lord to, and, and live with a, with a budget. It can be hard to honor the Lord and, and to save money out of every paycheck. It can be hard to honor the Lord and, and spend less than you make. It can be hard to honor the Lord and to take care of your family and your future with retirement and, and life insurance for your family. It can be hard to honor the Lord by being generous to God and his kingdom. Trust the Lord at all times. It's easier said than done. And one of the ways that we honor God in our generosity in is giving to the Lord first. This verse I read to you, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, it teaches us a principle that you find all throughout the Bible. We honor God by putting him first with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. We are people that are called to seek first the kingdom of God. And the most challenging area to put God first in, and especially in these challenging economic times, is with our finances. And the Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth. We honor God by giving the tithe, the first 10% of our income back to the Lord first. And from, from time to time, you know, being a pastor now for 20 years and engaging in a lot of conversations, from time to time, I hear people that are very reluctant to honor God with their tithe. And I've heard a lot of, of real reasons, heartfelt Reasons, And what I want to do for the next few moments, because my, my heart's desire is that you would experience the goodness of the Lord in your life. And yet you play a part to experience all of God's goodness in your life. I want to just zoom in and talk about the four top reasons people are reluctant to tithe. Four top reasons people are, are reluctant to honor God in the area of their finances. And here's the first top reason that, that I've heard people say, and that tithing is under the law. Tithing is under the law. Just look at your neighbor and say, don't get up tight. The preacher's going to teach and help you today. Go ahead and tell him. That's right. Go ahead and tell him. Yeah, don't, don't get up tight. I'm going to help you. I want to teach you today. Yeah, you know, I, preacher talks about finances. People get all weak. Don't, don't do that. I want to teach you today. 
I'm, I'm going to help you today. People say tithing is under the law. And some people say they're just reluctant to tithe because tithing is a practice in the Old Testament. It, it was found, it's, under, it, it's one of those that was under the law. So, so we should, should not tithe. We don't need the tithe because we are no longer under the law. We are now under grace according to Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. It says, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace and it's very true that you and I as Christians as Christ followers as New Testament believers we are under grace because we're saved by grace and not by works we're not saved by the law because of Jesus's death and his burial and his resurrection we are no longer under the law but we are now under grace can we say praise the Lord for God's grace his amazing grace that we experience through Jesus Christ. But being under grace doesn't give us the freedom to ignore or to disobey the commandments or the principles of God. I want you to listen to what Paul says 13 verses earlier in the same chapter. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Paul, Paul didn't say, I want you to notice, Paul didn't say because of grace, we can do whatever we want to do. He didn't say, well, you're under grace, so you can live however you want to live. He didn't say, well, the law no longer matters at all because you're under grace. Paul said grace doesn't, he, listen, as you, as you just study his teaching, he says grace doesn't lead you to sin. It doesn't lead you to disobey the law, to disobey the principles of God. Grace actually leads you to obey God, to obey his law. Paul wasn't against the law or the principles of God. Let me teach you today. He was actually for the law. He was for the principles of God. Romans chapter 2, verse 12, the very same book. It says, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be de declared righteous. Romans chapter 3, verse 31. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? I mean, we have faith in Christ. We, we're, we're saved by grace. Do we just nullify the law? Do we just put the law aside? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law Romans chapter 7 verse 12 so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy righteous and good and from these verses alone we have a good understanding of Paul's attitude toward the law here's something else to consider we, we pastor a very smart church and I want you to consider this Paul referred to the Old Testament more Old Testament more than 250 times throughout his writings. He quoted and referred to the Old Testament a lot of times to prove some of his most important points and to support his teachings. Paul would not have referenced the Old Testament and, and all of the Old Testament laws and all the Old Testament teachings if the Old Testament was no longer useful. So here's what we have to understand. Just because something was under the law or in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's obsolete and no longer for today. You see, in the Old Testament, don't have time to teach it all today, but in the Old Testament, there were ceremonial laws. 
dietary laws, civil laws, and moral laws. And many of the ceremonial, many of the dietary and civil laws, we are no longer following today. We no longer sacrifice animals for the forgiveness of our sins because Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 and 5 says Jesus was sacrificed once and for all for the forgiveness of our sins. So we no longer sacrifice animals. With Acts chapter 10 verse 12 and 15, through 12 through 15, lets us know that we no longer are forbidden from eating certain types of food. That's why I feel so good about eating chitlins and, and hog malls and uh, liver and onions. Thank you, Jesus. Because Acts chapter 10, verse 12 through 15. Right? right. But, but, but just because something was under the law or in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's obsolete. Your Bible is very clear that, yes, we are under grace, but there are some Old Testament laws and principles that we still need to follow today. One example is that we still obey the Ten Commandments. Being under grace does not give you the ability to murder, to steal, to commit adultery, to dishonor your father and mother. As a matter of fact, Jesus taught that we should honor, we should follow some of the laws and the principles of the Old Testament. Let me give you one example. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 19 says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. And here's Jesus, he's quoting the Old Testament. Murder, talking about the Ten Commandments. Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Jesus says you still need to obey these him dying on the cross and rising again on the third day does not nullify the law. Doesn't You don't throw out the law. Matter of fact, if you really study Jesus' teaching, he actually emphasized, uh, emphasized you and I doing more, not less, under grace. The scriptures are not going to pop up on the screen, so write them down quick or go back and listen to the sermon online. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22, Jesus said, you heard it said, do you know what Jesus was quoting? He was quoting the Old Testament. You heard it said in the Old Testament, don't murder. But I say, don't you even be angry. Jesus said, no, you're under grace, but he raised the bar. In verse 27 and 28 in Matthew 5, he said, you heard it said, you heard it said. He's quoting the Old Testament. Don't commit adultery. But I say, he who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus did not lessen the law under grace. He raised the bar because grace says, God has been so good to me. I want to do more, not less because of the grace of God and the goodness of God. We don't worship less. We worship more. We don't thank God less. We thank God more. We don't give less. We give more. We don't follow God less. We follow God more. We don't obey God's law and commandments less. We obey God's law and commandments more. So people say tithing is not under the law, so we should no longer tithe, and people are reluctant, but that just would not be the case. There, there's a second top reason, and that is people say Jesus did not talk about tithing. Jesus did not talk about tithing. Please hear your pastor, every location. I really got to help you. I, wanna really, I want us to mature today. I want us to deepen our faith today. You have to understand, first of all, basing your theology on Jesus didn't say something about a subject, he didn't say anything about a subject, is a horrible way to determine your biblical theology. It's a horrible way. Jesus didn't talk about kidnapping, child abuse, spouse abuse, 
rape, drug dealers, abusing prescription drugs. He didn't talk about crack cocaine or meth. But if you read the totality of the Bible and understand biblical principles, those things are wrong. Jesus didn't even talk about some common sense things like brushing your teeth every day, flossing, going to the dentist, having a colonoscopy. I brought it up. I got to have one soon. Pray for your pastor church. Lord, yeah. I, hope I, I, hope, I hope it's none of y'all that attend the church that's going to do that to me. Praise God. <laughs> it's a pastor's worst nightmare. Hi, Pastor Herbert. Oh, Jesus. 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 Jesus didn't talk about going to elementary school. He didn't talk about going to middle school. He didn't talk about going to high school. He didn't talk about studying for a test. He didn't talk about taking a bath daily. And some of you don't practice that, but Jesus didn't talk about it. But these are good things in spite of Jesus being silent on them. Church, please understand this. Jesus or the Bible being silent on something is a horrible way to determine your theology. You have to look at the totality of Scripture and what Scripture teaches to determine sound biblical theology. But Jesus did talk about tithing. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites, you give a tenth, a tithe. That's what a tenth is, is 10% of your income or your resources. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Now, Jesus brings up the law again. You've neglected neglected the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Jesus did not condemn tithing. He said you should tithe, but you should not use tithing as a reason to be a jerk. He said you should tithe, but you should also obey the important areas of the law like justice and mercy and faithfulness. Jesus taught do both. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, your rue, and all other, uh, all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Jesus taught do both. Tithe and practice justice and loving people with the love of God. And later on in the book of Luke, when Jesus was telling a parable about a self-righteous man, Jesus mentioned fasting and tithing again. Luke chapter 18, verse 12. He said, I fast twice a week and give a tenth, a, a tithe of all I get. And yes, we should still fast. And yes, we should still tithe. Jesus did talk about tithing. And Jesus actually, when you study his teachings, he did not lower the bar. He raised it. What Jesus emphasized in the New Testament was to not just tithe, but to be an extravagant giver. Be be extravagant in your generosity. In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, he was touched by the widow woman who gave all she had because grace doesn't lower the bar. It raises it. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 17 through 22, Jesus told the rich young ruler, go sell all you have and give to the poor. Jesus did not lower the bar. He raised it because God has been so good to us. We don't do less. We do more. Why? Because our giving is a matter of the heart. Jesus taught that giving 
is really about a heart. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 through 21 says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break it and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now notice verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If, you're, if earth has your heart, you will spend your time figuring out how to store up more on earth. But if heaven has your heart, you will spend your time figuring out how to give more to God and his kingdom. The focus of your heart will determine the focus of your money. The focus of your heart will determine the focus of your money. Jesus did talk about tithing. Let me give you a third top reason people are reluctant to tithe, and that is this, number three, I don't trust the church. I don't trust the church. And there are good reasons why people don't trust the church. I get it. There's been embezzlement in churches. There's been promised buildings that were never built. Uh, there, there, there were buildings that were promised and got halfway built and never finished. There have been moral failures, sexual abuse, scandal, lying pastors and leaders, unwise pastors and leaders, and the list could just go on and on and on and I really do see why people are leery of giving money to a church there's a lot of mistrust for good reason and that's one of the reasons that here at People's Church we work really hard with, to, to operate with integrity to live by the Bible to live in such a way to build trust we do our very best to hold our, our, our pastors to a standard of above reproach we, we do background checks on all of our staff and all of our kids and youth volunteers and dream team leaders why? so that we can just build trust. We have all of our volunteer leaders sign an honor code, just build trust. We have our board of trustees that, that provide accountability and leadership over the church and, and finances. We, we have an annual audit of the finances by an outside CPA firm. What I'm trying to say is we strive to live by the Apostle Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter eight and verse 12 for we are taking pains to do what is right not only in the eyes of the Lord but also in the eyes of man and at people's church we are taking great pains to do what is right in the eyes of God and also in the eyes of people and yet I want to say this we've operated for 20 years now with integrity to honor God to honor the Lord to honor you and there are many great churches that are doing the same they're honoring god they're they're, they're striving to live a life above approach striving to live a life that builds trust and live with integrity and no matter all the steps we take or any other church takes there's still no perfect church because there's no perfect people but i understand this but god made his, his imperfect church the primary vehicle to reach a lost and dying world. It was Jesus who said in Matthew 16, verse 18, that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And God is building his church. Yes, it's imperfect, but Jesus said, I am building my church and his followers should be building what Jesus is building, the church of Jesus Christ.
And one of the ways that God builds his church and he keeps his church strong is through people giving their tithe and their offerings. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There's always a debate. Do I tithe off the gross or the net? Well, you just determine what the whole tithe is and let the Lord lead you. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the church house that there may be food in my house. God wants food. He wants resources in his house. Why? So that his church can be strong and can meet the needs of people. So the church can do outreach. So the church can do missions. So the church can feed the hungry and clothe the naked and provide clean drinking water. And so the church can fight injustice and preach the gospel around the world and disciple people and to raise up an army of kids and teenagers who feel fear of the Lord so, so that the church can bring healing and and, and help to brokenhearted people so that the church can reach lost and broken humanity. Jesus is building his church and he wants his church strong. And that's one of the reasons God says, bring your tithe to the storehouse, to the local church where you worship. So my church can be strong. I'm building my church. That the tithe does not go to a nonprofit or a missions organization or some other type of ministry or to a person you love. It goes to the local church so that the local church is strong. Now, then over and above our tithe, we pray and we give to support missionaries and organizations and people that we love. We, we do that. It's called our offerings. So let me say this one more time. There is no perfect church. We're doing our best. Thank God for 20 years. It hasn't been scandal, embezzlement. We always do what we say we're going to do. We strive to live by integrity. But there is no perfect church. And what you have to do is find a church you believe in. So if it's not this church, go find a church you believe in and begin to tithe and give offerings so that that local church can be strong and be the primary vehicle to reach and disciple a lost and dying world. Let me give you a fourth one here. Here's a fourth reason people are reluctant to tithe. Fourth top reason, and that is this. I don't trust God. I don't trust God. And, and this is real for people. Some people, they really don't tithe because they don't trust God. They say, God, man, I believe what the Bible says, Pastor. But if I tithe, will God really provide for me? Pastor, I think I'm better off keeping 100% of my income rather than tithing 10% back to the Lord. Pastor, I think I feel like trusting me is a little safer than trusting God. And God knew this would be a struggle for so many people. So here's what God says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me. Come on, every location, just say, test me. Yeah, can I get a few people online just to write the word, test me, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says, I got a table of goodness for you. I, 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 want, to pour out, I want to pour out blessings into your life. Here's what God says, test me. I'm trustworthy. I will provide for you. I will bless you for honoring me. If you provide for my house, I will provide for your house. And it's important to understand this. It's so important. It's important to understand that God pouring out so much blessing into your life doesn't exempt you from being a good manager, a good steward of his blessings. People oftentimes blame God for things that aren't his fault. 
God, I tried tithing and it didn't work. God, I, I tried tithing, but you didn't provide. You didn't bless me. And God says, no, 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 I did bless you. I am not a liar. God says, I am trustworthy. I provided resources. I, I gave you a job. I, I gave you a raise. I, I gave you a promotion, but you spent it. You're driving in it. You're wearing it. You're living in it. You ate at it last night at a restaurant. You're talking text on it every day. You're giving it the Visa and MasterCard. I blessed you, but you spent it. Because God always blesses us. God will not be a liar. He always provides for us when we honor him. It's a promise in the word of God, church. I'm telling you, God is trustworthy. And there are thousands of people in our church that can testify to what I'm talking about. Who, who at every location can testify? Can just, can, can, um, God is trustworthy. He really is. He really is. You can, you can trust God. Matter of fact, I, we didn't get to talk to everybody in our church, but our team was out in the lobby and recorded several people, just their testimony of them testing God and God's faithfulness. Just hear what some of our church family said. Check out this video. I was, I was doubtful. Uh, I was not in a place where, uh, I, I was hard-hearted. So I wasn't in a place where um, the concept of tithing was really on the forefront, right? Or really, uh, I, was, I wasn't really open to it. We were tested early on in our marriage as newlyweds. Uh, I found myself out of a job. And she was a school teacher at that time that wasn't making Very much money. money. We've been through economy affecting both of our industries, um, having to relocate. Um, we've had to deal with like taking a, a pay cut in our jobs. We started tithing in November of 2020, which was around the time that we started coming to People's Church. After making that decision to start, um, that gave an opportunity for God to uh, show his faithfulness to Mandy and I, uh, to show himself as provider, um, and really to meet me uh, where I was, which was is in the place of a skeptic and in the place of uh, a doubter who, you know, wanted to hold on to what I have uh, and hold on to mine rather than give back to God what was his. Uh, we actually made a conscious effort to demonstrate Lord, we trust you in every aspect of our life, whether it's giving our kids over to the Lord, giving our marriage over to the Lord, giving our finances over to the Lord, and not giving Lord, not giving God the leftovers, right? More so of, God, we got to trust you, we're going to give you the first fruit. God's given me these opportunities to go to school, to learn, to do all the things, and that's just my response to him is, this is, this is important, this is gonna go first. Tithing has allowed me to learn to do and grow is have faith in God. He's the one that's our provider, and you know, he will always make sure that we're made you know, whole and true, and, and so through that, you know, I just, we continue to tithe in a way that, regardless of what may happen on external or outside of our control, we don't have to worry, because God has always been there for us and will continue to be for us. Yeah, my trust in him has grown significantly just because the stepping out of faith, you know, you can't see it on the other side, but once he is faithful and it does happen, that's when your faith grows and then you just walk in it and then you're a walking testimony at that point. And over and over down through the years, God has blessed us. When we have sacrificially given and thought, we can't do that, 
God has always provided and the blessings have been abundant. We do it because we, we've been blessed in the past and we just know that in the future that God's gonna always provide for us and take care of us. God is always faithful. You can never outgive God. That even when you look at your banking account, and I can do math pretty quick and say, this is gonna work, it does. It does. God's math works, even though we as individuals can't explain it. I think that once we take the leap of faith to start tithing, um, your heart changes and you are able to see the little blessings that God has for you along the way. So we have to trust that God is going to fulfill our every need and provide for us and take care of us in that way. The Bible literally says, test me and see. Um, and just knowing that God's word says to test me, to try me. We wanted to make sure that we were like putting his word to the test. And we've seen that even though we've hit that wall, God has never failed us. God has never let us down. Amen. Who else can testify today? God is faithful. God never fails. Church, here's what I want to do. My heart really is your pastor that you would experience the goodness of God in your life and be able to honor the Lord. And I know it's a, it is that test, that testing God and to prove him that he'd be faithful to you. And we set this up years ago to give people just like you an opportunity to test God because we believe God's word is true. I believe with all of my heart. And in the back of your seat, back pocket, at every location, there's a three-month tithe challenge card. Here's what it simply is. It's a money-back guarantee because as a church, we've seen it time and time again that when people step out and trust God, if they will just take the test, God will be faithful. Online, they'll put a three-month tithe challenge card there online in the link there for you. There'll be a link there in the chat line. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab that card. If you're not a tither today, just grab that card on the back of a seat back pocket. And the truth of the matter is that would be the majority of people. I don't know how many in our church, but I know statistically 10, 20% of church people tithe. So many of us are not trusting God. And today, would you grab this three month tithe challenge card? And I want you to be prayerfully to say, God, I'm going to trust you today. And we actually move the offering to the end of the service today at every location. Why? To give you an opportunity to fill this card out right there in your seat and to drop it in the offering bucket and say, God, today I'm going to trust you. I hope hundreds of you right now are grabbing this tithe challenge card and saying, God, today I'm going to test you. For the next 90 days, I'm going to test you. And if God doesn't show himself faithful to you, you just call the office. There won't be any hassle. There won't be just giving a trackable way that we, we can track it. And we'll just refund your money back if God is not true to his word. So I want you to trust God today.